The Spiritual Freedom Show with Richard Lawrence, where politics is not the answer, materialism counts for nothing, and spirituality will set you free. Welcome to the Spiritual Freedom Show. This is an Ethereus podcast, also syndicated on other radio networks. So today we're joined, I'm very pleased to say, by a very good friend of mine, actually, from Michigan, who's been, she's dedicated much of her life to healing and spiritual work, and that's Bonnie Watson. And we're also going to be hearing from Sarah Hale, who's got a very interesting moment of truth to share with us. Well, today, the topic of our focus, and as you all know, if you're a regular listener, this show is dedicated to the nine freedoms. And if you want to know more about the nine freedoms, please go to the nine freedoms page on ethereus.org. That's the Ethereum Society's website. And you'll find out how the nine freedoms were delivered, who they were delivered by, namely Mars Sector 6, and also the, what I believe is the greatest medium in history, but certainly of modern times, through Dr. George King. And uh, he also not only was the medium for these, he gave outstanding commentaries upon them because he really understood them. He lived them. He absolutely was an expression of the nine freedoms. I'm, I, I know that. I knew him extremely well. I was privileged to be actually a friend of his as well as a, a disciple of his. And I saw him at close quarters on numerous occasions. And he really did live them and understand them. And he's given these brilliant commentaries both in the book and in his lectures on the nine freedoms, which are available to you. But of course, what we do here on the Spiritual Freedom Show, we have the opportunity thanks to the international directors of the Ethereum Society giving us permission to play extracts, direct extracts of the, uh, of the moment, 60 years ago as it is this year, that they were recorded. Uh, we can, you will hear the voice of Mars Sector 6 speaking through Dr. King, and we can go in depth into individual statements. We can spend some time looking at them and putting them together, and we can see how they relate to our lives. As I mentioned last week, even the higher freedoms, when we're going on to the seventh, the eighth, the ninth freedoms, we're looking at life on other planets, life even on the sun, life beyond our world, beyond even ascension, still there are lessons in these teachings which we can apply here and now. In fact, I personally don't think they would have been given to us if we couldn't use them. They wouldn't, I think, just be given to us for our encouragement to see where life is leading. It's very inspiring. Uh, it's a wonderful signpost of things to come, but it's more than that. It's practical and usable. So today, I'm going to try uh, to do justice as best I can um, to the whole topic of kundalini and so many words are spoken about kundalini you, you find it all over the internet all over literature some of them true uh, some of them quite dangerous to practice some of them completely untrue uh, some of them so inaccurate that they're not dangerous because they won't really get you very close to what kundalini really is now i want to say straight away 
that I am someone who has not consciously raised Kundalini in its entirety to a high psychic center. So I feel, as you may do, very much in need of this teaching myself. I, it, I, when I you know, have the privilege to speak on this show and indeed on the platform in general, I don't feel I'm just you know, telling others things. I feel I'm speaking to, I'm, as it were, sharing uh, information which is of great value to me as well as it is to you, I hope. So to have a kundalini experience is one thing. I, I think I and many others have, have done that. But to master it in its entirety is another thing. And that's really the only reason, according to Dr. King, we're actually on Earth, is to master this mystical power. So I think despite the fact that I am no, no master of this topic at all, we're very fortunate that Dr. King was he absolutely mastered Kundalini. It's one of the reasons that he became primary terrestrial mental channel and was able to bring through such an elevated source as Mars Sector 6. And of course, Mars Sector 6 is a great lord who uh, understands not only Kundalini, but many, many, many thousands, millions, I'm sure, of years of evolution beyond our raising of the kundalini here on earth but so we have we're in very safe hands and we're going to really look at it we're going to talk about how to raise the kundalini through service and not from a philosophical point of view because i think it's quite easy to see that what goes around comes around that if we serve others then although it's not our motive we too will benefit we too will advance that's a true philosophy that's a karmic explanation I'm rather going to try to look at the mechanics of how this takes place. And we couldn't be in better hands than those of the giver of the nine freedoms, Mars Sector 6. So the first extract we're going to hear is from the third freedom. And it's a short one, but a very, very informative one. So I'll ask you now, please, to listen to our first extract. Serve and you will... And be practicing true selfless love, serve, and the mighty power of Kundalini will rise in natural, unforced fashion and open the chakra jewels in your higher bodies. In will pour inspiration and you will be standing on the verge of the initiation into adeptship. What a wonderful promise we're given there. And in a very precise way, as you always get with Mars Sector 6, I know I've said it many times before, uh, short phrases, no words which aren't required, and a proper explanation of exactly what we need to know. And by the way, I learned there something. I've been mispronouncing the word chakra. I, I say chakra, as though it's spelled S-H. But of course, there we heard Mars X6 say chakra. So that's a, a little point there. But this is a groundbreaking statement. It, it's There's far more to it than there might have appear to be, I have found, when you first hear or read it. I mean, I've read it 
a hundred times, but in, in in preparing for or more probably, but in preparing for this show, uh, I've learned far far more than ever before. Now, just to give a bit of background, uh, for centuries there's been a mystery, a mystique, and a misunderstanding. That's a good bit of a mystery, a mystique, and a misunderstanding. We could we could use that as a title, but th- these things have surrounded the whole topic of Kundalini, and I must say they still do. Uh, including misunderstanding. So what is Kundalini? What are we talking about here? It is depicted and often referred to as the serpent power. And in that depiction, there's a book actually called The Serpent Power. It's It's very advanced. I'm not sure whether the author of that book has really experienced it fully I I very much doubt it, but I can't say that with any certainty himself. But it's full of uh, technical, rather academic information. But what we really need to know is here in the Nine Freedoms. It's a three-and-a-half-coiled serpent, according to the old Sanskrit uh, depictions, at the base of the spine, which is dormant, and it needs to be awakened. And as it does, it rises through a channel in the center of the spine, and as it goes up through the spine, it activates our major chakras, which are psychic centers, as it does so. And I think probably most of our listeners will know what those psychic centers are, but I'll, I'll just list them. They're the base center, the sex center, the solar plexus center, the heart center, the throat center, the third eye or Christ center, and the highest of all, the crown center, often called Brahma Chakra. Now, Dr. King put it very simply, as I said earlier, that the main reason we're on Earth and the main lesson we all have to learn upon Earth is the rise and strict control of Kundalini, which doesn't mean, and let me be clear about this, if I may, that we all have to go away and start practicing Kundalini yoga. In fact, this statement by Mars Sector 6 makes it very clear that we don't. Uh, it's it's very important statement. Kundalo- Kundalini yoga can be a dangerous practice, especially if it's taught correctly, strangely enough, because some of the people who claim to teach kundalini yoga are doing nothing of the sort. They think they are. They, or I, I presume they think they are. Uh, and they might be doing something good, but it's not kundalini yoga. And that means it won't work, which means it's not dangerous. But the, the real genuine ones, uh, and I've seen them, uh, you find them in kundalini yoga, sometimes in kriya yoga, uh, could be dangerous unless they're practiced under the direction and probably in the presence of a living master because things can go wrong. Now, that scenario, I want to say now, is very unlikely because a living master now uh, wouldn't, uh, in all likelihood, uh, want to teach you that. He would direct you towards service instead in this day and age, as Dr. King himself did. He was a master of Kundalini Yoga, but he and he gave some exercises which weren't exactly kundalini yoga practices i'll explain that in a moment uh, in in the book realize you're in a potential which i was privileged to co-author with him and he even hesitated about doing that uh, but he didn't advocate this practice he advocated service and i think any great master would nowadays uh, unless it was a really really exceptional situation So the exercises I'm referring to, and I'm familiar with some of these, but I don't use them, involve physical movements by the student designed to force the kundalini up the spine. And this is why the words in the text we just heard, 
rise in natural, unforced fashion are so important. Uh, forces, by definition, is not control. And without understanding uh, make the makeup uh, and the help, you know, the mental capabilities, and without the help of an advanced teacher, you could find yourself unable to control this movement of Kundalini. Uh, I meant to say that you should have outstanding mental capabilities. Outstanding abilities of concentration would be critical if you're going down that road, which we're not recommending. And the things that can go wrong uh, are permanent paralysis or some other form of disability as a result. So I'm not trying to be alarmist here. I'm just explaining the importance of allowing this to rise in a natural unforced fashion now to the visualizations i mentioned in realize you're in the potential they're very advanced they should be treated with caution and the book makes that clear the kundalini yoga breathing exercises should only be practiced in the context of a life of balanced spirituality and service as we say in the book and in fact i would say that humility would be absolutely critical and so would this might sound strange, a sense of humor, certainly your feet firmly on the ground. Uh, after the cosmic consciousness experience uh, by Paramahansa Yogananda, which we was read on the Spiritual Freedom Show fairly recently by Pete Higginson, uh, he was instructed straight away to sweep out the ashram. And I think that was to balance him out and keep his feet very firmly on the ground. But by but these visualizations, which are in realize you're, you're in a potential, are not physically forceful kundalini yoga exercises. They are beautiful practices, which, as I say, should still be done with great caution and in a very safe and balanced life in the context of service. Now, you have to wonder, at least I wonder, with whether some of those exercises which were taught should have ever really been taught. But I would say this, that in the context of an avatar coming to Earth, such as I believe Dr. George King to be, and we've spelt that out in the, his biography, The King Who Came to Earth, it, it does reveal, I think for the first time ever, really, at close quarters, uh, what it's like to, to be an avatar, to, as far as we could possibly glean it, um, that's different because such a person, such an individual, uh, such a great one, uh, doesn't have karma as we know it on this earth. Uh, but it's really far better, I think, to follow the road for the sake of others, but even for your own sake, the road of service in this respect. Now, you know, there are two good reasons to gain experience. And one is because it's necessary for you to advance, for me to advance. We have to gain this experience. And you have to learn and master all experiences, our karma demands, the ones we need. Not the ones we don't, uh, but the ones we need. And um, I, I actually read out before a quote from Dr. King, there are people on earth who have too much experience to be able to experience experience as it should be experienced. I love that quote by Dr. King. And of course, what it means is, of course, there are unnecessary experiences that people are basically wasting time having when they should be focusing on the experience as it should be experienced, the ones they need. Now, that's well understood. Um, although I must say that every book I've read about karma yoga, even by people I really admire, has to me been a little disappointing. I have That's just my reaction to it. And I think that's because I was able to see 
Dr. King at such close quarters. And of course, he would be the exception. He didn't actually write a book called Karma Yoga, but he spoke about it and put it number one on his list of priorities. And anything else that I've read doesn't come close to his take on it. But you know, there's another reason to gain experience, and that is to enable you to serve better, not for your own advancement or specifically to learn the lessons you need to learn, but to put you in a better position with more ability to help others. And in this teaching by Mars Sector 6, we have another example, uh, at least in the first four freedoms, that shows that they feed off each other. While we're serving, we're practicing true selfless love. And uh, we need love as a motor to drive us. Because what happens when we serve? And these are the words of Mars Sector 6. The mighty power of Kundalini will rise in natural unforced fashion and open the chakra jewels in your higher bodies. Natural unforced Uh, that's a a most wonderful way for it to rise. So through service, the kundalini will rise naturally. And the purer your motive, I believe, the more it will rise because you will be more unselfish. Therefore, there'll be less internal blockages for the kundalini to rise. Blockages, you could say, in your psychic nervous system, known as the nadis in old yogic writings and then you'll be practicing true selfless love in will pour inspiration and you'll be standing says mars sector six on the verge of the initiation into adeptship now the chakras receive and transmit mental energies at various levels of of frequency when the higher frequent uh, chakras the heart center the throat center especially the christ center are awakened and activated it enhances our ability to radiate true love and it and this leads us to receive a much greater amount and a higher quality of inspiration which can manifest in many ways including genius is just one uh, enhanced clairvoyance and especially in wisdom and i just want to say one other thing about that quote that he says you, we will be standing on the verge of the initiation into adeptship. He doesn't say that we'll then be an adept. In other words, all conditions will be right for us when we reach that stage to then progress, to then use the practices that are available to us. And we have enough. There are enough in realize you're in the potential alone, uh, I, I, for sure. Uh, and, and Dr. King made sure of that, that when we're at that stage, we have the practice we need to move forward and go through the initiation into adeptship. Well, that's quite a quite a lot for us to think about, but I think we should break off from this right now because I know that Darren has lots and lots of questions for us. So Darren Ball, our producer and uh, really the organizer of the Spiritual Freedom Show, I could call him, welcome again to the show. Hey, Richard. Thanks very much for the welcome. Pleasure. It really um, resonated with me what you said there about um, you know are the texts on karma yoga being disappointing you know because it's yeah. it's often spoken about as sort of like the consolation for the people who can't do the other yogas and yeah. uh, whereas actually it's the greatest thing that any of us can do. It so is. I think it, it I is. think it's a really this message that we have on the show today I think is incredibly important. 
But um, so to all of our listeners, thank you so much for uh, your comments and questions that have been coming in and for sharing, of course, your stories and experiences that you've had with these teachings and practices. And do keep them coming in. That's to spiritualfreedom at richardlawrence.co.uk if you'd like them answered on the show, like the few I have here today. Um, also, I'd like to invite you to check out Richard's website. That's richardlawrence.co.uk. And that's for other podcasts and interviews that he's been doing with shows like Collective Evolution, League Project, and on talk radio here in the UK. So, Richard, I thought what I would do is kick off today with just a comment that we got recently, actually, because I think mm. it's um, a really good illustration of um, you know the power of these of these practices um, yes. that we've been talking about on the show, you know, and that are in realizing a potential. Um, so it goes as follows. It's a little bit long, but I'll read it out here. So it goes: Some years ago, I was left in a house in Miami for eight days. I was charged with the care of a pack of seven dogs. Easy for a dog lover but these were half-wild, huge animals, crossed huskies and chows. <laughs> so they had an established pack order with one clear leader, Alex, a very large white alpha male. And a terrifying fight broke out as all the bitches came into season and the dogs went berserk. I managed to shut them behind a wrought iron floor-to-ceiling gate within the house, but the fighting only increased and the sounds were deafening and blood-curdling. I prayed, speaking, cajoling, and commanding them to stop had absolutely no effect. My prayers, however, were answered. I opened the gate and pushed my way through the mob to Alex. I took his head in my hands and would love in my heart and continued praying. My fear left me. The dogs all settled down and an almost holy silence enveloped us. And, um, wow. you, know, you know, actually, Richard, I had a very similar experience myself, which I thought I'd just throw into the, uh, yeah, please do. In the middle here for about, you know, about probably about 10 years or so ago. I was left to take care of a dog as well, which had been absolutely well become like rabid, virtually vicious. Uh, and actually, I still have the scars on my hand from where I was bitten um, all those years ago. And um, it was like this person here, you know, at a loss as to as to what to do. So I started practicing one of the mantras mm. given to us by Dr. George King. And I did it for about maybe 15, 20 minutes or so and literally watched as the dog changed in front of me, like before my eyes. She became placid, completely calm, uh, and to the point where she would rest literally quietly on my shoulder. And I, I was literally amazed and, you know, it really illustrated to me in such a visceral way that these things, the prayer and the mantra that we talk about, really do have a certain power. Absolutely. That's a beautiful, two really good stories there. Thank you. Thank you, Darren. Mm. And and it reminds me of the protective practice, which is contained mm. in Realize Your Inner Potential, which we can't give in full here at the moment. But uh, the essence of it is that uh, when somebody's, it could be a person, doesn't have to be an animal, is, is angry, is shouting, is uh, perhaps jealous or it's just radiating very unpleasant vibrations in your direction you can bless them you can mm. bless them mentally uh, you can bless them through your eyes you can they don't even have to know consciously what you're doing but it can completely change as that first uh, comment that you read out completely change the vibration and environment uh, totally and it really does work and it transmutes mm your own fear as well doing that so that, that's something we've talked about before it's uh, in a way you're you're kind of raising i know this is just to bring it back to the topic of today raising right. in some tiny way the inner forces and to some degree the kundalini because we can't do anything without in some way activating kundalini um and that helps you to rise above fear and then when you do i think it's well known isn't it that if you radiate fear you you'll get a lot of anger and other bad energies back if you radiate love what's going to come back so fantastic mm. story and we're going to get a lot more from you later in the show darren so thanks for that but we okay. are going to now go to our our guest who's going to tell us about her moment of truth and that's sarah hale 
Uh, she's very active and valuable volunteer for the Ethereum Society, working behind the scenes on social media, among other things, to help others discover these cosmic teachings. She's a risk assurance auditor in the UK, has, has an interest in spirituality for a long time. And on her journey, some of which she's going to share today, she's had a wide range of work and life experiences, working on a biodynamic farm, playing drums in a marching band, traveling to rural Uganda, Rwanda, and Cameroon. She has particular interest in nature and healing through natural therapies, where in her spare time she has studied various holistic healing therapies. Holistic healing therapies, I should have said. So I really look, I haven't heard this moment of truth yet. I don't know what the story is. I'm looking forward to it. So welcome very much to our show here, Sarah Hale. Hi, Sarah. Hi, Richard. Thank you very much for having me on the show. Your pleasure. You're welcome. Thank you. So, yeah, I found it quite a difficult task, narrowing down to just one moment. Um, when I was, uh, Darren asked me to come on the show, I was, took a bit of time reflecting and looking back, I sort of realised that there was a few, quite a few moments of truth. But I've narrowed it down to three main events, which led me on my spiritual path and eventually to the Ethereum Society. So the first was when I purchased my first spiritual book, which was called Seat of the Soul. Although I wasn't brought up in a religious household, I did have an interest in spirituality, which grew throughout my early teens. My grandma, she was a practicing Christian, and we had quite a few interesting discussions. We didn't always agree, and our views did differ quite, quite a lot, but I always admired her commitment um, to her faith. And I think her influence rubbed off on me more than I realised at the time. So growing up, the interest was always there and eventually led me to purchasing the book. Although it wasn't an Ethereum Society publication, what is interesting is that I bought it in Barnsley, um, mm. which is where the Northern UK branch is based. So, And as I've kept this book, still have it today. It made quite an, an impact on me, opening my mind much more to the spiritual side of life. So I've kept this book and then it led on to me purchasing other spiritual books and um, exploring the spiritual path quite a lot more. A few years later, I started a course in homeopathy in London and it was around this time that I came across what was known as the Inner Potential Centre. Mm -hmm. And this leads me pretty much to the second event on my spiritual journey. So the centre was run by the society and hosted many different talks and workshops on spiritual topics. I attended quite a few events, one of which was the You Too Can Heal course. And this was one of those awakening moments. I knew that this was something I wanted to pursue and the idea of healing in this way made complete sense. It fitted in quite well with what I was studying in homeopathy at the time being a vibrational form of healing and using intentional intention in a positive and healing way. It was also around this time that I went along to the Psychic and Healing Workshop, which was in Ox and Hoth. Oh, yes. I don't. I think uh, you hosted that one there, Richard. Yeah, that's right, um, yeah, down in Kent, not far from where you live, I think, Sarah. That's right. Yes. Fantastic um, workshop there, and... Um, there's a few different speakers and everything mm. that I discovered at the workshop and around that time, um, pretty much in line with the Ethereum Society, it was just making more and more sense and connecting with me on a deeper level. 
And it was after this attending the workshop that I then purchased quite a lot of Ethereum Society publications. I remember listening to Dr. George King's teachings and it's really hard to put in words, but I just say that it was like a knowing really that I'd finally found somebody that I could I could really learn from. So quite a few years went by after this. I had a few different jobs, went travelling, many different life experience experiences, but the teachings never really left me. It came to a point, though, it felt as though I was holding myself back and I was drawn back to the society and to be more, more committed on the spiritual path. So this leads on to the third experience. It was a realisation that things around me and, and I had to change in myself really to commit. Things couldn't really stay as they were, but it was it was difficult. Um, but gradually I brought this about and I'm pleased to say it brings me to where I am today. I think I, I remember a time after Pro Operation Prayer Power charging session that you said something along the lines of when you're introduced to the teachings... They don't really go away. And I think this is yes. so true. I think yes. if, if the calling is there, we'll be drawn to the path in one way or another. Um, maybe a serious as a sequence of nudges or a one-off experience experience. But um if we're called to it, I think it's there and you know, five years or ten years might go by, but it doesn't really go away. So that's it. So it's my uh Brief that's, description of oh, my moment of truth. Oh, that's very interesting. Thank you, Sarah. And very honest, I think. And I think lots of people will relate to that moment of truth and the various parts of it. So thank you so much for joining us today, Sarah Hale. Thank you very much, Sarah. Thank you. And actually, Sarah reminded me as a good friend of mine called Dave Davis, who's actually in the Kinks, who's, who's a member of the Ethereum Society. And he remarked to me once that, uh, just taking up something Sarah said there, that you know, once you get it on you, and he and he gestured to his hand, so he was trying to rub something off his hand. You can't rub it off. And he was talking about the teachings of the Ethereum site. And it's true. I, I've met so many people uh, who've remarked on that. Uh, some of them have perhaps gone off for some reason for a while, but it, it doesn't go away. It's still with them. And as Dr. King actually used to say, look, there's a big world out there, but... Um, you won't find anything to compare with these teachings uh, anywhere, and people can try. And it's and we're not trying to convert anybody. When I say that, there are, are some wonderful other teachings there. We're not the only way, not at all. We've never said it, but for me anyway, there's nothing like our the teachings of the society, and there's nothing like the nine freedoms in particular. Which brings us now to the second extract we're going to hear, and this time we're going to go to the second freedom, uh, which is, of course is love. And here an extract which really starts to break down and tie down in a very technical way the topic we're looking at today, how to raise Kundalini through service. So, Darren, would you please play our second extract? Know this for your contemplations. The chakram in the heart has two faces. The chakram in the throat has one face. The chakram in the forehead has three faces. 
in each and all is the energy called love manifested. But in different degrees. A basic arise of the power you call a Kundalini tends to partially activate one face of the heart, a chakra. This often manifests itself as childish emotion, sometimes referred to as sentiment. This is not the love I speak of. The love I speak of radiates from the two faces in balance, from the throat a center, from the center in the forehead, from all faces in balance. Outstanding words. I think probably more outstanding than we might think, even on a few readings or listenings to them. Um, you know, and I said earlier that there are, there are great tomes written about Kundalini, one by Sir John Woodruff that I mentioned, The Serpent Power, and there are others uh, uh, which are good. I've, I've read some theosophical literature which uh, is, is very revealing about Kundalini, but I also think you don't need to do that because I think and by all means do, I've done, but what we need is right here in this statement uh, by Mars Sector 6. He tells us about these higher centers, these higher chakras, uh, that uh, the heart center has two faces. In, in old teachings, they were depicted, as you may well be familiar, as lotus flowers, the chakras, and they would be described as petals. The, the throat chakra has one face or petal. Uh, the chakra in the forehead, that's the Christ center, has three faces or petals. Now, all the rest we are going to discover, and some, some people, I'm sure, um, some of us uh, to some small degree, have already discovered from ourselves, from our own experiences, little aspects of this. And, and, and I'm sure in the unfolding of time, we'll discover it all internally. We don't need to read it necessarily in a textbook, but the information we will need is right here. And I think we can see from the extracts played in, this, in the Spiritual Freedom Show in general, why the nine freedoms were given at this time in our history. At the time of, as I mentioned before, the, of the initiation of Earth, the dawning new age, in, in which eventually, in the new age, every man and woman on Earth will be an adept. That day is going to come. Everybody will be able to do these things. The nine freedoms will probably, in fact, definitely be more relevant to us then 
than they are now. But we are learning here. Uh, we're kind of lucky. We're learning early on, even before that time, these lessons that we're going to need to use. Now, here's an interesting point that follows up what I was saying and Darren and I were discussing about karma yoga, that in 1967, the master Ethereus, that great Venusian master stated through Dr. George King, that those who help, and he was specifically talking about this at the time, those who help the Ethereus society to succeed in carrying out its task of service over a 1,000-year period will, and this is what he said, be able quickly but not easily to don the crowns of a ship. That's his phrase, don the crowns of a ship. A, a beautiful image, that. Now, that marks a massive change, a massive change in virtually every writing you will read about karma yoga and service, because service was never regarded as a quick path to a ship, and yet very definitely, and he is referring here to the mission of the Ethereum Society, which is an extremely powerful form of service. In fact, I believe it's the most powerful. If I didn't, I think I'd be doing something else. That's, that's understandable. Uh, it's not the only one, though. There are numerous ways to serve. But nevertheless, that kind of service is now a quick path to adeptship. Now, if that service is karmically and spiritually powerful enough, it must be a quick path to adeptship. But he also says not easily. So it's not going to be easy. A price has still got to be paid. There's a karma yoga price, just as if you tried down the past Kundalini yoga route. There are certain physical and uh, psycho, spiritual, mental uh, dangers that you might encounter. Uh, of course, I'm not going to call them dangers, but there are definitely pressures, very strong ones. Uh, even I could vouch for that in, in working at this very advanced, very powerful level of service. But the wonderful promise is it could quickly lead us to raise the Kundalini, because that's what we're talking about with an adeptship, in its entirety, at least to the throat center, possibly higher, but at least to the throat center. But that's in its entirety. And then Mars Sector 6 breaks it down for us and tells us how. We, we know why. We know as you sow, so shall you reap. This is all perfect sense. It's a philosophical explanation of the law. But how? The heart center, he says, has two faces. Some writings refer to them, as I said, as petals. Throat has one. Christ center or third eye has three. When we serve, we're practicing true selfless love. In other words, we're drawing on the energy of love. And through our unselfish motivation, which is key, this energy must be drawn upwards and start to activate all the faces or petals of these centers. Now, often mystics have associated love energy with the heart center, and rightly so. But here we're told something different. We're told that it manifests also in the throat and the Christ centers. So this is true love at a very high level. But I think it's very understandable even to those of us who haven't achieved it, because we know, we can see that love is a product, if you like, if I can use that word, of wisdom. The more we know and understand, the more capacity we have to radiate this energy and to express it through the highest and the most inspired actions. You know, and if you, if you do exactly what's needed, exactly when it's needed, 
that makes all the difference uh, to the world, not just to individuals, but to the world. And he also refers here, Mars Sector 6 refers to a basic, what he calls a basic rise of the power of Kundalini, which I would interpret as being the activation of lower centers than these ones, but still some kind of activation. And then he tells us that one face or petal of the heart chakra is partially activated. So that's not even a full activation of one face or one petal. And the result, he says, of this is childish emotion, sometimes referred to as sentiment. And you could turn it the other way too. You can say that when you're, if you, if you're expressing childish emotion or sentimentality, that's going to be the net result from a Kundalini point of view. If you're able to radiate true impersonal love in its most potent form, you must draw the Kundalini upwards to the higher centers. A very interesting and revealing analysis of the interaction of the Kundalini with a psychic center and how it is expressed. And in this case, it's through sentimentality, emotionalism, which I think you'll agree is very common in our world. They're not the worst thing when compared to aggression, jealousy, and so on. But nor, says Master Sector 6, are they true love. So we have a definition here that only love only becomes manifest above the solar plexus center. And at least the love defined in the second freedom. And then we have this pièce de résistance, I might call it, the final statement. The love I speak of radiates from the two faces in balance, from the throat center, from the centers in the, the center in the forehead, from all the faces in balance. And that must must bring. And if you now see why service must, from a technical, from a how point of view, bring a rise of Kundalini, because it's an it is the ultimate expression of love. It, love is the motor and the motivator of service, uh, but service is the expression of it. And when we do that, we're drawing on these energies, we're drawing them upwards, we're drawing them to higher centers. The purer the, the, the love, the purer the service, the higher the service, uh, the more spiritual, if you like, the service, which doesn't mean it, it won't be physical at all, it might be very physical, but the spiritual motivation must draw the kundalini upwards towards the higher centers and start to open them so that we can be radiating this wonderful energy. And it's wonderful to know, I think. We know, yes, we need to do the practices. I mean, I personally use the kundalini visualization breathings um, every day, but I look upon them just for a few minutes, but I look upon it as also uh, a way of controlling because control is so important uh, these energies, uh, the motor for it really is the service that we can do and the love that we can send out. And one of the finest ways, of course, uh, to, to send out love and purposes is through healing, which brings me, I'm very pleased, to our next guest, all the way from Michigan. And she's on the line. She's someone who's been a spiritual healer for decades, giving spiritual healing to patients in hospitals, nursing homes, hospices, doctor's offices. Uh, she actually introduced spiritual healing to a community hospital, uh, to nursing homes, to the Hospice of Michigan. Uh, she's an ordained minister and the healing administrator at the Michigan branch of the Ethereum Society. So welcome to the Spiritual Freedom Show, Bonnie Watson. 
Thank you very much, for uh, Richard, for inviting me. It's a great pleasure to be here today and to speak to your audience. Well, it's a um, pleasure to have you, Bonnie. So over to you. Thank you. For the listeners who are new to spiritual healing and wish to alleviate suffering, I can assure you that if you really want to help people, you can, sometimes in the most unexpected ways. I would highly recommend uh, obtaining the healing textbook, You Too Can Heal, which was written by Dr. George King. And by using this healing method, you will prove to yourself that healing does work and that you can make a difference. I have used this healing method, the King Technique, for many years, as uh, others have as well, uh, with wonderful results. And you can even give healing to plants and animals and help them. And one time I even gave healing to a caterpillar, Hmm. and it helped it. As we know, there is much suffering in our world today. And through the spiritual tool known as prayer energy, we can help to alleviate suffering in any number of ways. And so today, I would like to focus on global healing by using the New Lord's Prayer, which was given by the Master Jesus through Dr. George King on December 20, 1961. This is a wonderful healing prayer, which you can use right now to help those who are suffering throughout our world through violence, catastrophes, disease, and more. Your global healing prayer, this beautiful love energy sent out through prayer, will touch many people and will help alleviate their suffering and bring them healing, comfort, peace, and strength, and much more. But first, uh, before we offer our prayer, I would like to read a very short extract taken from the Sixth Blessing to those who heal, which is taken from the holy book, The Twelve Blessings. The Twelve Blessings were given by the Master Jesus through Dr. King in 1958. And I quote the Master Jesus. Blessed are the ones who lay their hands upon the fevered brow of their brothers knowing that their request will be answered, knowing that great power will flow through them like water through a river course. This is a promise that Jesus made to us when we pray. And now let us prepare ourselves for radiating our healing love energy out into the world through the new Lord's Prayer. Let us sit up straight, but relaxed, with feet flat on the floor. And now, let us visualize a beautiful violet flame coming upward through your lower body and aura. And take this violet flame high above your head. This flame comes from the heart of the Mother Earth. And bathe yourself in this violet flame for a few moments. And now, let us visualize above the top of our head 
a brilliant living white light, which is the healing power of God coming down through your head, neck, and shoulders, and take this into your heart center, which is just a few inches in front of the breastbone. And now, please raise your hands with the palms facing outward. And as I recite the new Lord's Prayer, visualize great healing power as a brilliant white light, which is the love of God flowing through you, like water through a river course, out through the palms of your hands and the heart center to our suffering world. The New Lord's Prayer. O divine and wondrous Spirit, O everlasting Lord of hosts, send forth now through me thy great and lasting power. Allow me, O mighty God, the lasting privilege of radiating to all the world thy great love so that those who suffer may be given the power and energy to rise above their weaknesses. Almighty God, in great humility do I ask you to send forth your power, to give to me this great lasting privilege of being a channel, so that my suffering brothers may be helped and guided and healed and lifted into thy light, so that they who know not may look up and in doing so receive through their higher selves your divine counsel. Almighty God, this day have you granted me a divine privilege. I ask you now to give to me the strength so that never again will I turn from my inner vision of you. Om Shanti, Shanti, Shanti. In praise of your greatness, O God, doth my soul sing. Granted energy to sing on forever and forever. And now, take your left hand with the palm facing upward and take the palm of your right hand and slide it across the left palm to finish the prayer. I would also like to recommend the wonderful book, the holy book, The Twelve Blessings, as a powerful spiritual practice that one can do every day to help our world. And in closing, may I say, may God bless you and all your healing prayers. Thank you so much, Bonnie. That was absolutely beautiful, beautiful rendition of that prayer. And thank you so much for joining us from Michigan today. Thank you, Bonnie yeah. Watson. Oh, thank you so much, Richard. And uh, really, uh, Darren, if you're there, our, our producer, of course, Darren, um, that was beautiful. That prayer, of course, is uh, in Realize You're in the Potential, but I believe it's on the Ethereum Society website as well, isn't it, Darren? 
That's right. That's right. People can find it there as well under can... our prayer energy section. Mm-hmm. Great. So go to prayer energy on www.etherius.org and you can use that absolutely beautiful prayer there delivered for us by Bonnie today. Well, Darren, I think we've got uh, a few minutes remaining uh, for perhaps some other questions because we didn't get too far earlier. Do you have any others for us? Oh, sure. I'd love Good. to. Just before I get to another one there, I'd just like to say, on uh, behalf of us both, of course, thank you to everybody who's been tuning in weekly to the show. Yeah. Um, really appreciate the support that we've been getting. And I'd love to invite you all as well to leave us a review on your favorite podcast app, whichever one that is, to help us to spread the word about these teachings, about Mars Sector 6 and the Nine Freedoms to help more people discover this cosmic truth. Absolutely. So, and can I just say, echo that and say we really mm-hmm. do appreciate all your comments and questions. And I make a point of not hearing the questions until Darren asks me, as it were, live on this podcast. But I do make a point of knowing that seeing them all in, in the course of time. And it, we really are touched by the interest and the and the warmth and the personal experiences that you're sharing with us. Thank you. Yep. Over to you, Darren. Yeah, absolutely. Well, on the topic of service, Richard, I thought... Um, I think you've probably been asked something like this before. I'm sure you have, actually. But nevertheless, a good one for our listeners, I think. And that's as follows. Um, Are prayer and healing more effective than other acts of selfless service I could do? I have. I was actually asked a very difficult, quite a difficult question, I thought, really, on a a live TV show here in the UK. Um, And the question was quite simply, you know, if you don't know whether to perform some materialistic kind of service or whether to perform some spiritual kind of service, which should you do? Um, mm-hmm. I, I would. It's a slightly bogus choice because you could do both under certain conditions. But if you really want to major on one of them, and this was my answer that I gave kind of on the spot, is that at the moment, you know, in history, and, and this wouldn't be a dogmatic answer because everyone has their own destiny. You know, as people like Dr. Albert Schweitzer proved, which isn't necessarily what you want to do, but what you you meant to do. Um, and then it becomes what you want to do, by the way. But I, I would say this, that at the, there are more people who, who believe in material physical service than there are who believe in really effective spiritual service. So therefore, there's a greater need for active, uh, dedicated spiritual workers, I would say at the moment. And by that, I mean people who are really doing useful, active spiritual work. So if you are a believer in spiritual service and you believe in in karmic service as well, uh, such as we perform through the Ethereum Society, then I would say that really would be more needed, but only because there are less people willing to do it and devote their lives to it um, at the moment. I mean, the other forms of service are absolutely crucial and they work hand in glove I think the third freedom actually, Darren says somewhere, was the effect. There are many ways to serve. Look around you, and they yeah. really, they really are. But I, I would put spiritual service and spiritual energy. I think Dr. King said is the most needed commodity. Um, it's the only crisis on earth. And yes, that's generated through physical service as well, actually. But a direct sending of love and of, of prayer, uh, activated spiritual healing in the way actually described uh, earlier or aspiring to that way in, in the second freedom, that really would be the most valuable thing, I think, that the, that the people could do at this time. Yeah, absolutely. I think everybody can take that on board and and uh, approach service in a balanced way, you know, yeah. the way that 
Mm -hmm. I wanted to share this next comment because I thought it was a good example of someone wanting great enlightenment in order to serve, which is which is really the message of our show, I think, um, yeah. in general. So I think this person says, um, thank you for your email. So glad to learn more about the life of Buddha and how I can relate to him. I've been in the spiritual path seeking high consciousness through meditation and yoga for the past years. It's helped me a lot to develop myself and feel more calm inside. I feel like I still have a long way to go, but I want to learn more and use that knowledge to help others who had the same issues I have had, getting angry or frustrated easily, being too sensitive at what others told or didn't tell me. I feel a lot of people have these issues within them and most simply ignore them and move through life suffering because of themselves. So I want to find a way to help others become more aware and find solutions that will lead them to happier, more peaceful lives. Yes, well, um, I think you've come to the right place, actually. Um, yes, and I think the Lord Buddha, I mean, who can question the, the wonder of that intelligence? Uh, an intelligence that was actually, according to Dr. King, who saw them both, had a close resemblance uh, to the Master Jesus to look at. <laughs> and uh, in fact, uh, he, he regarded Lord Buddha in a way as the elder brother of Jesus. There's tremendous similarity between their teaching, a different methodology given at a different time to different people. But now we're in a very, very different situation. And actually, I believe the Lord Buddha has returned to earth uh, in this time. He's, he's in a place uh, which we'll have to perhaps look at in another show, but, but you may have heard the name Shambhala uh, right now. And so his presence is very, very much needed among us, and we're very privileged to have it on earth right now. But the yoga of these days, the practice of these days, is is absolutely a service. And um, I think, you know, the, the, the questioner referred to, uh, very honestly, I think, to the feelings of anger, and I can't remember the other ones, but feelings mm -hmm. of frustration, I think, frustration. he or yeah, she said. And, uh, you know, that that's that's good i mean we have to be honest it's good to be honest and, and acknowledge it and you know that meditation is is taught in a very basic form it's not the true meditation but it's a basic form that is taught and indeed can help people in fact in, in britain it's even available uh, in the health service here at times i believe um certainly has been but service also is a transmuter you know by uh, concentrating on the problems of others your own problems uh will I won't say they'll disappear. They'll still have to be dealt with, but you, you can get away from them and they'll take on a better perspective and then you'll be more able to deal with them if they are real problems at all. And sometimes they aren't. They're things we have anxiety about that when it really boils down, they don't exist too much. They're not such a big issue at mm. all. And service puts things into a perspective for us because we're there concentrating on others, those whose needs are far greater than our own. And our own can really diminish uh, when we start to practice service. So that's a sort of hidden benefit, you also, you might say, of service. Mm, absolutely. I thought uh, just in the last seconds we have here, I just read out this comment that I got from someone. Um, just interesting how they came across the Ethereum side in these teachings. Um, mm. And they said, I had an encounter with a UFO in November and I haven't really been the same since. So I was looking online for answers and came across your society and was really attracted to your connection to God. Some Gosh. weird things, yeah. <laughs> Some weird things happened after that encounter. I had a dream of being on a vessel that was as large as a city. One message was no need to worry, no need to be worrisome. Everyone communicated telepathically. When I woke up, I was sure it wasn't a dream. And that's the reason I decided to look into your society. And it kind of led me to you. Well, that's great. That's, I mean, you know, I haven't got really time to comment any further because we're coming to the end of the show, but that's a good note to end on. 
But there is one other note that we always do end on. So thank you to our guests. Thanks to Darren Ball, our producer. And service is the jewel in the rock of attainment. Oh,